All right, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things. That you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. For all the links for all the things, you can check us out, buddywalkwithjesus.com. To help support the ministry, keep the lights on, patreon.com slash buddywalkwithjesus. We have a whole bunch of bonus materials for you guys there. And last but certainly not least, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So this week, we are continuing on with exploring this question what is the purpose of Sunday morning? What is Sunday for? And we heard Seth's uh, interaction with this question, and I'm going through and asking different voices, different representations throughout the Christian sphere. And for those of you that follow all of the online portion of all of this with the video content and all of that, it should come as absolutely no surprise that I got my man Ant on with us this week to explore what is the purpose of Sunday morning, right? You hear so much conjecture that comes around what I'm, I am this ist or ism. I am this denomination. Uh, we practice this. Should you do this? Should you do that? And we hear all of this discourse to the point where it becomes less about answering each one of those questions and more about proving why my answer to those questions is the correct one, right? So we're trying to avoid that and really dig into, well, what 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 are we doing in the first place? What is the purpose of all of this in in the first place? Because if we can square that circle, it'll go a great deal in trying to get the rest of those questions answered and try to figure out the what's and the where's and the why's and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to be on Buddy Walk and hanging out with you guys. And uh, yeah, this is a this is a conversation that I think needs to be had on a regular basis because i think we get um, sidetracked with you know the side shows right with all the you know uh fanfare and all the hoopla around sunday service um that somehow we we lose sight of what it you know what is sunday for what why are we coming together on sundays and i think there's a couple of very simple things that we need to, you know, focus on. Uh, n- number one, Sunday, you know, is is to unify the body. That we all come together Sunday, hear the word together, worship together, gift, you know, together, pray for each other together. It should be a time of togetherness. Um, what gets lost in that? is the you know the huge stages and the performances that happen on sunday that focus sunday service on one individual standing on a stage or a few individuals on a stage singing 
or talking or what have you instead of this unifying theme i think about first corinthians chapter 14 um and in first corinthians chapter 14 i think it's about verse 26 paul asked a kind of peculiar question if you're thinking from the 21st century mindset um he says well how come when we come together everyone has a teaching everyone has a psalm everyone has a tongue everyone has a prophecy everyone has a revelation he said everything should be done um, for the edification of the body and then he sets in order you know um, people that were going to flow in the gifts of tongues people that were going to flow in prophecy how everything was supposed to be set decently and in order and we read that and we have no reference point for that we're like i don't even know why he's asking this question because at my church the pastor has <laughs> right the message the praise team has the songs you know everything comes from the pulpit and it is not an invitation for all people to be involved and that is that is really a, a, a thing that is really strange in today's culture if you go into a church and a lot of people are involved in the Sunday service it people are gonna wonder well, what's going on why are all these people involved in this why do we have all these different people doing things why do we have people over here praying for people why do we have people over here doing this and doing that well it's because one of the things that is lost in today's world is that Sunday service is to bring people together to do these things together and so I'll just start there, you know, and kind of progress with, you know, questions or whatever, whatever you want to do, uh, Joe. So that's kind of my my opening thoughts. So what you just said is scandalous to some. <laughs> and and I know because I I've been trying to tell people this now for a minute. It's funny because the first episode that we had in this series was with the guy that brought me into the house church scene and and doing that portion of it and he he has since left and went the liturgical route and goes to an anglican church and yada 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 and the one thing that resonates with me and why this whole thing became um tempting to me in the first place is we have these rules we are not these these roles rather of the specific people that this is what you are in charge of this is what you're in charge of this is what you do and all of those kinds of things and while having some of those roles isn't necessarily a bad thing the problem becomes when they are the person that is in charge of that they are the only person that does that they are the and and that might not seem like an issue until you pan the camera around 180 degrees to the other to the other half of the the equation because then that opens the door for the cruise ship mentality where people have been trained to just show up to or or if they're going to serve then you know you 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 kind of start your way you 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 work your way up the ranks right you maybe start in the kids ministry or in the coffee shop 
and then you work your way up to helping with audio or with tech and then you work your way up to if you've got you know musical gifts you start to go the route of and, and it's almost like working your way up the corporate ladder but in a church context and, and i say all of that you know it sounds like i'm taking a shot but the, I, I know for 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 fact that there's a contingent of people that that is their experience and and the issue that i see in all of this is not so much about squabbling about how your church does it versus this church does it versus this and that what do we believe about the church you know what i mean and and that's the that's the situation that i think doesn't necessarily get talked about enough of how we play these things out what we do about all of these things there are certain aspects of it that are inconsequential maybe maybe a good word but but they're of they're they're definitely within the minor section you know what i mean do you have guitar do you meet sunrise do you whatever there's there's the inconsequential side but then there's the side of what what do we know to be true about God? What do we know to be true about the church? What do we know to be true about our responsibilities? All of those kinds of things. And that's the more important part of the conversation from my perspective, especially when it comes to the Buddy Walk community, where most of you guys listening right now, you're not in America. And so this kind of uh, Western sort of approach to Sunday morning of getting lost in the weeds of of all of the trimmings, that's not necessarily um, of as much importance as it is to fundamentally understand what our responsibility is, what our calling is, all of that kind of stuff as Christians to come together, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, Paul is the primary teacher and, you know, doctrinal um, direction that people look to uh, to try to figure this thing out. Um, or they look to the book of Acts, you know, where you see more of a of of a description rather than Paul's prescription that he gives. But when you look at both of them, I think they marry together very well that there's this idea um, that the people of God come together and have all things in common. They, they bring their time, their talent, their resources together because they're all looking for, you know, the same thing, the coming of the Lord, the, the, you know, the salvation of, of the world around them. And it is a unified effort and everybody is doing their roles. I look at um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the final verses of chapter 12 verses 28 through 30. And there's this idea that Paul says, are we all this? Are we all that? Are we all the other? Are we all, you know, and he's calling out all these different things because in Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, he says that there, there are diversity of gifts and administrations but one body, one spirit, one God who is governing all of them. And so there is this idea of togetherness and the togetherness should be um, a unified goal. Not So one of the things that I discourage, you know, our church uh, from doing is making 
um, Shore Foundation, which is our, our church's name, Shore Foundation Community Fellowship Church, is making it my ministry. You know, people say, oh, you know, this is your ministry. Actually, it's not. It's not. It's our ministry. We have all come together from different places and different, you know, backgrounds and different situations to learn the word together, to break bread together, to fellowship, to pray together, to worship, to put our resources together so that the gospel may be preached to our community, our neighborhood, our city, our state, you know, and eventually to the world, right? That is supposed to be a unified mission that we're all on and everybody does their role. So my role is as a teacher and one who studies doctrine, right? And so I study doctrine and I teach that doctrine. Um, I disciple people, but those people are supposed to be ministering to one another. They're supposed to be sharing with each other because I can't disciple every single person. So those that are discipled now go and disciple others. I love on these people and those people love on each other. And it's supposed to be this 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 cohesive um, environment where everybody is coming together to do their part. But we live in a culture where we have celebrities in the pulpit. And so everybody's coming to see the show and breaking people from that mindset, you know, is very difficult. And I think that's why a lot of people choose to go to things like house churches or, you know, movements like that, because they say, okay, this is more organic. It feels more like a family, you know, because for whatever reason, either the, the, the majority of the people aren't able to make that transition within a building, you know, or you just automatically default to deferring to the person who's in the pulpit. No, and, and, and I think a lot of pastors have stepped down and gone to different types of ministry because in the in the traditional church model, it's been hard to get people to 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 live out what we're reading in the Bible. And it's like their mind just won't let them do it, even though there's a lot of pastors saying the right things. They're doing the right things. They're 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 pushing discipleship. They're pushing community. They're, they're pushing, you know, mission mindedness where they're coming together and the people still find a way to sit in the pew and say, go, pastor, go. And it's just a battle, you know, because for whatever reason, people want to defer all the responsibility to a few people and say, those are the leaders. They're doing all the work. We just do stuff if they ask us. And that's not biblical. That's not the way the church is designed. And I think we have to be dedicated to fighting against that temptation, you know, if you will, uh, to go back to this model where we just defer to the people in power and we sit back and we watch and we'll fill in, like you said, oh, I can play the guitar. Maybe I'll help that way, you know, but I won't, you know, teach Bible studies in my home neighborhood with my, you know, neighbors and coworkers and people in my apartment complex. I'll just bring them to the church and let them be taught by the pastor when the pastor is supposed to be equipping you to be able to reach them in your environment. Because what if we're going to plant a church in your area because there's a need because people want to know the gospel and we don't want to transplant them from way over here to way over there. And so I don't want to ramble on, 
but there's a lot of moving parts in this and for years i've wrestled through trying to bring it back to the bible and take it out of this modern framework that it just keeps defaulting into it's fascinating to me you think you it's so easy to look at the celebrity pastor and say and and put the i'll say the blame for lack of a mm-hmm. better phrase on on the pastor right that they're the ones looking for a following and all that kind of stuff and you know what yeah that's absolutely a thing however you touch on a very very important part to consider in all of this because you absolutely see that people choose to have a king people choose to have somebody in charge that can be pushed out into because you and you go the further you go down that road the further that you're going to get to various forms of um i don't have a calling for that i have a calling for this i don't have a i'm not called to that so i'm not going to be involved in that you know what I mean? Most people have never heard of the fact that some people can just desire to teach. Some people can just get involved without there being this holy moment of revelation of a calling and all of those kinds of things. And that's the that's the number one thing that I I see as such a source of all of the confusion in America. And I say in America because there is no paradigm for this in a lot of the other countries that I speak to citizens of. I, our, our international contingent, I, I talk to you guys and and I've, I've heard a simple lack of understanding of why there's so much getting caught in the wheels of nonsense when it comes to trying to situate roles and responsibilities where other parts of the world are simply teaching. Okay. So this is the person who's overseeing things right here, shepherding things right here, but you're teaching people who are then going to go out and teach people and are going to go out and do these things and perpetuate this almost like that's what we're called to do. That's literally the name of the game. And I, uh, the thing I cannot get behind is you know the the Sunday morning platform being this dog and pony show to fill people up to go through their week to come back and get filled up and all of that kind of stuff but if you're looking to Sunday morning to be your fill up for the week there's a reason why you're running out of gas by Wednesday you know what i mean that's that's it's literally not what it was intended to be yeah yeah i i I teach a model of discipleship that is large group small group one-on-one and so you know large group um i teach that as the tip of the iceberg the large group is not the big part of this the large group is the small part of this because the large group is one day (laughs) right you know or you know multiple days a week where you have large gatherings the small group can happen more often right and the one-on-one can happen and should happen very often 
And what it does is that it gives a person a balanced view. The, the large group is everybody because you can't get everybody together every day, right? But you can get, you know, a lot of people together multiple days. You should be able to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one daily. That doesn't take a whole lot. Maybe you're not, you know, especially now with things like Zoom and telephone. See, in, in the book of Acts, they just hung out with each other. They had their worship time, their, their teaching time. Then they had prayer times that they went to the temple and then they went back to people's houses and they and they broke bread and they fellowship with their families. And if people needed something, they gave people what they needed. Um, and then they, they just preached the gospel from house to house. They just they, this was just a normal thing for them to get together on a regular basis in our 21st century world. Everything is about convenience and what is the most convenient is to listen to someone else and say I'm doing it by listening to them, not to actually do it yourself. In all actuality, you use the terminology cruise ship, and that's something that years ago I grabbed a hold of. And I said, you know, our church is not going to be a cruise ship. We're going to be an aircraft carrier. Yeah. And an aircraft carrier, the people come in, they fuel up, they bed down, they they eat in the mess hall together, and then they get orders and they are launched back out off of the deck to go and fight. And then they come back in to fuel up, you know, fellowship, you know, get some rest, and then they're launched back out to go. And, and so Sunday morning is a launching time. We come together, get fueled up, talk to each other, fellowship, get get things in order, you know. Uh, and then Monday through Saturday, we should be out living it. We should be out doing it. We should be out making disciples. By by next Sunday, we ought to be bringing somebody with us that we've been discipling all weekend. We met and we've been working with them. A lot of people will bring somebody to church to get you know to give their life to Christ. You should have done that during the week while you're a minister to them. By the time they get back, you, you're supposed to be fellowshipping with them. And this is somebody that I'm, I'm discipling and working with. But that kind of Christianity struggles in this context because of, of something other, something else that's very sinister. And it's this idea of entrepreneurship. And I say that it's sinister because it causes people to not want to invest in someone else's vision. I want to invest in my vision. So if I lead this person to Christ, I want to keep them following me. I don't want to bring them together with the group and we all follow Christ together. Or if that's the pastor, then uh, do I want to bring people into his ministry <laughs> and, 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 and take away from my ministry? Because I don't know if you really heard that language. But in the circles that I've been in, there's a lot of people that have the my ministry, you know, message. And what they mean by that is that this is something that I'm supposed to do that's separate from what everybody's supposed to be doing. Instead of it being my way of contributing to the whole body of Christ and us doing this work together, I'm branding myself over here. And so imagine that in a church, 
imagine that in a church where there's a hundred people and 50 of them have their own ministry. <laughs> now, that, think about how, how that church is going to function. They're going to come and support the pastor's ministry, which is the church. And then they're going to leave and go do their own ministry. And none of that is going to come back into the body of Christ. It's all going to be parceled out underneath all these different people. And it creates division instead of, hey, we're all serving God together. And if I'm a part of a church, then we're building Christ's church together. We're not building the pastor's ministry. And I know that's probably, you know, for anybody listening, they're like, what? People think like that? Yes, they do. They think like that. They think in terms of my brand, my ministry, entrepreneurship, and this idea that, you know, we're supposed to be building our own platforms instead of these platforms are all for one purpose unity and so when we come together on sunday we're hearing the word of god together so that we all know the same things we're all learning the same things so that we all go out and we can teach sound doctrine because hopefully that's what you're hearing on sunday morning so to recontextualize that just a little bit the the biggest difference between ant and i if you haven't picked it up already is that ant and i have been called to two different things right now i i i long to to make that shift but as of right now i'm i've i am in a position of teaching i i have this this is this is what i do i teach cool fantastic ant is a shepherd ant is a pastor that's different that's different than being a teacher okay so with with buddy walk and and i understand i'm saying all of this within the confines of a podcast and things like that and, and within the content creation world but the content that i am creating as a content creator should be pointing you guys to scripture to relationship with god things like that that's why you don't see if you guys think about it Try and figure out how many times you're going to see my face but, uh, uh, on any of the material for the show. That's not the point. The point is not for you to follow me. The point is not for you to take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Take every single thing that you hear me say and compare it to scripture. Do not, do not look to me to be the source of your information. Look for your relationship with God. Look for scripture. Look for those things to be that driving force and when you are creating content within the christian space that should always be the direction that you are pointing people towards now you add in the layer of being a pastor being a shepherd being the head of a church and i understand so somebody's gonna throw a flag christ is the head of the church right, i'm right. talking about the people that everybody the, or the person that everybody is looking to right that there's an entirely different layer to that of even though you are in a way creating content this is it's an entirely different paradigm you're not writing writing something for somebody to read and to hear your thoughts on you're not saying something for people to hear and to hear your thoughts on you are pointing people to jesus and you are you are shepherding people and discipling people all in the name of cultivating that relationship with, with between them and G, that that sort of thing like getting gearing them towards that direction 
And, you know, uh, a couple months back, we were on one of the many live streams. I think it was Kingdom on the Road. And you and Andrew were talking about um, this whole idea of this, 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 uh, position of this is my ministry. This is something that I started. This is a church that I started. Things like that. And I've already been well acquainted with the fact that that uh, burnout from the pulpit is is so ridiculously high. Pray for your pastors, for real and for true. Pray for your pastors. Um, but hearing you guys talk about that as two people that at some point in your lives were, were pastors. That whole idea of my ministry versus stepping into somebody else's ministry. That was disgusting. Like, I'm not going to lie. That was just, that did not sit well with me. That, that's the, that's the mentality, but that's yeah. not, I don't care if you started the church, planted the church, stepped into the church after the church has been there for 87 years. Doesn't matter. You might be the one that's that's in charge of it at that point in time, but whether or not you started it or not, it's not your ministry. It's not your it might be it's your responsibility for whatever season it is, it, it, you know, whatever. Like that's that's different. But I I think it's not I don't think it's as simple as looking at one position versus the other position. I think the toxicity is so cyclical when it comes to how this is approached that over overcoming that, the only way you overcome that is by fully realizing the proper hierarchy for all of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so let me break some of that down because I think you brought up some really important points that need to be you know clarified a little bit is that as a pastor um and if you're looking in scripture you know pastor is the one the one descriptive term for a leader that is used the least in the new testament as a matter of fact it's only used once the term shepherd is used more than the term pastor the term Overseer is used more than the term pastor. The term elder is the dominant term in the New Testament for those who are in charge of preaching, teaching, um, protecting the flock, sound doctrine, all of those kind of things. Those are given to elders and elders are the same thing as pastors when you do the full study of them, right? That's what a pastor is, an elder, pastor, they're interchangeable. Shepherd, they're interchangeable. And the job description is to bring the people together, unify them in the word of God, and keep them actively loving one another, forgiving one another, serving each other, and bringing people into the fold to be loved on, served, and, you know, prayed for and cared for. And this whole process is really about looking at the, the Bible in a sense that 
The Bible is not written to individuals. The Bible is written to people groups. All of Paul's letters are written to people groups. You know, even John and James and Peter, they wrote to people groups. They're, they're not just writing to individuals. Paul does write to Timothy and Titus, but he's writing to them so that they can go serve people groups, right? So there is this thing with uh, the church that we want individuality and God has called us into a congregation, into a holy assembly. And when we look for our niche or niche, you know, depending on how you want to pronounce that, you know, we are actually trying to make something that was made an assembly into individuality. And the individuality should be seen in your ability to work within the assembly because there is a diversity of gifts. There is a diversity of administrations. There is a diversity of people, but they are all supposed to be working for the same purpose. They're all supposed to be working for the same goal because the Bible says that there's one spirit and he brings us together all into one body, you know? And so this whole idea of my ministry, their ministry, this, and so uh, sure foundation began um, pretty much in, well, in my living room, in my living room. Um, and it grew out of my living room into what it is today. Um, it's not a huge church at, by no means, but it grew out of my living room and I've never taken it as mine. I've taken it as something that God is doing and he invites people into doing that with me. One of the things that I love about Paul that people miss Paul is always talking about his fellow workers, his brothers and sisters, his fellow or co-laborers. He spends a lot of time, as a matter of fact, he has whole chapters where he gives roll call to all the people who are making this thing happen. For some reason, we don't care about those people. We focus on the apostle Paul as being the guy who's getting it all done. But he is not getting it all done. He is not getting all of this done by himself. He is not doing, he is not going to all these churches by himself. He is not uh, 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 ordaining all these elders by himself. All you gotta do is read your Bible. He's not the one doing this all by himself. There is an entire network of people doing the work that we give the Apostle Paul sole credit for. And we've got to stop reading the Bible that way. And the reason why we're reading the Bible that way is because that's the way we've been taught to think, is your brand, your ministry, your work, right? And so when you go into a church that's already established, you must go into that church with the idea that we are now becoming fellow workers together in Christ to do whatever uh, ministry God has called us to do in that arena. You know, I know you're in you're in Pennsylvania. So let's say, you know, in Pennsylvania, you found a few people. It, it starts out as, you know, a fellowship in somebody's house and other people join on and it grows out of the house you know, into something larger. And you say, you know what? We want to start doing food banks. We want to start doing these things. We want, And we're doing this together. But you know what people are going to do? They're going to stop and say, this is Joe's 
vision. Right. And we're helping him instead of this is Jesus's vision and we're all working together in it. That little nuance changes everything. It does. It does. And I think sometimes we we miss we misstep when it comes time to figure out what is literal and what is figurative. Now, anybody if you I'll frame it like this. If you don't know, then to say the very least, the Bible is is made up of several different types of literary uh, sections, literary devices, you know, that you different parts of the Bible are arranged different ways, presented different ways. It's not all literal one for one. It says this, this is what it means sort of thing. Some of it's symbolic, apocalyptic, so on, so forth. But in an effort to say that, I think we lose some of the very direct examples that we really do have and we are given for a reason in parts of the Bible. And I've said this before about specifically the idea of seminary. We don't have a an, a, a, a biblical translation point for seminary. But what we do have is a biblical translation point for things like community. How the first post-Jesus people did it, right? And and I think we lose part of the significance when we overlook the fact that from a practical standpoint, if you are looking for a practical application and execution of a group of people coming together under the banner of Jesus, under the guise of the kingdom, all for the same purpose, without getting hung up on on education points and, you know, who is ordained and all of those kinds of things. We act as though we don't really have that. But what I just described is is the book of acts you know what i mean and and you you mentioned it and yeah i'm one of those i'm I'm in that camp you know what i mean when when you look at an example of execution i am absolutely in the camp of okay so yeah i i understand you start talking about the book of acts you start talking about well it does isn't that saying to 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 have everybody sell all of their stuff and all come together and live together and all that they were fulfilling the need that they had at that particular point in time. Right. Right. We, uh, a couple of, a couple of years ago, one of the, when we first started out on this whole house church thing, what, what started this was a simple, uh, issue, people issue. We had people that we knew there was a house fire displaced several families we struggled to come together and find where there was a place where we could spo- where we could point them for food or clothing or resources and things like that but it would be no long laborious thing to figure out what churches had expository teaching versus you know story based teaching and all of those kinds of things but but finding resources for people and that was that was a a really big eye opener 
for us, right? And I and sometimes that looks material, but it doesn't always look material. It, there's a lot of different means that this can be executed on. The whole idea of being mission-minded can look a lot different. It's going to look a lot different in your part of the world than mine. There might be some common through lines, but how this whole thing is executed and laid out for you is going to look different on some level than how it is for me. So getting past that layer that this can look different for different groups of people, suddenly what you're left with is something that looks a lot more like community than it does Sunday morning. And if you can, if we can, if we can at least camp there and talk about that as a people, we can at least get somewhere versus starting the conversation at should you do three songs? Should you be, should you tell right. any stories? Should you do any of this kind of stuff? At least we can get somewhere with understanding that if we are approaching this as a community that is mission-minded, disciples making disciples, that's going to have so much profound impact on how you execute this whole thing that is going to start to cover where a lot of those other holes are and you'll realize what's actually of importance. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And... and, and... Uh, to fight the flow of cultural Christianity is a real struggle because even when people know that what you're saying is true, when they go to do it, they find themselves falling back into doing it the way that it was already being done. <laughs> and it's like, why are we still trying to do it the way that we said we don't like seeing it done or we don't you know why are we why are we so married to this um in such a way that we will not flow with it and we won't even think about it to understand the basics like you said when you look at the apostles and that first century church and people selling all their stuff, bringing it to the church, the apostles distributing it as people have need, right? Like you said, okay, people today, probably seven out of 10 people have a full-time job, right? So there's no need for them to sell everything and bring it to the church. They can just give. And the resources get poured back out to that three <laughs> that may not have that income or that three that may need that help, right? And then maybe we help those people get jobs so now that they can pour in. So now we're pouring out into our communities because they need help. And that's how we're reaching out to them by serving them in the ways that you know are most necessary that are most practical, meeting practical needs in our community. And all of a sudden, all the resources coming in are going into biblical uh, ministry instead of, okay, we have, uh, I don't know, $10,000 worth of musical equipment. <laughs> 
we need everybody to you know sign up to give a hundred dollars to raise money for our ten thousand dollar goal of musical equipment while there is a there is at least ten thousands ten thousand dollars worth of need on our street right outside our church right you know and this is the problem because people want to spend that ten thousand dollars on music equipment because that's the pressure that the culture is putting on them and so as as and i know this is like you said scandalous because we want to blame the pastors for this but the people if they go to church they want a nice building they want all the bells and whistles they want you to spend money on making it nice and attractive for them but then they'll rail against that because well you're not you're not ministering to the community so why don't we just make this a spot a space where we can gather and come together and use those resources to minister to the community or do you want this space to be so immaculate and so amazing and so all the glitz and glamour which do you want because you can't really do both because when you look in the bible they didn't even focus on the place they focused on the people and how they can minister to the people. The place was secondary. You know, I did a study where I went throughout the, the, the New Testament to see where they met, right? They met in houses. They actually met in a school. They actually rented out a school, the school of Tyrannus. They actually met there for two years in a school. I was like, wow, they actually met in a school. You know, um, they, they, they met in an upper room that was a large space you know that was bigger than the regular house but it was just a large space that they found and they all came together and met in that upper room they met in the actual temple courtyards and things like that because it was a large enough space to accommodate them so what they did was they just looked for enough space to come together and be community the space didn't have to be pretty we make the space have to be pretty and that started somewhere around the third or fourth century when they started building these cathedrals and these huge edifices that were supposed to be worship to God and so they focused on a building being a worship to God instead of the people living a life that was a worship to God and that thing is still going on to this day people are just now getting out of the stained glass buildings and saying you know what if we can rent a space up here that fits all of us, we can come together and do ministry and learn and grow. Let's do that instead of it's got to be a church building, right? I've got to, we got to pay for a church building because that's what it's supposed to look like. These are the trappings that cause the confusion and nobody knows where to start the conversation because everybody's reacting to things that have rubbed them the wrong way. And, and, you know, for, for those that are in, in America that are listening, what we're not saying is there shouldn't be any worship or there shouldn't be any of this stuff right. and it should just be, you know, all mission stuff and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know what? There is a biblical place for worship. There is a biblical example of 
why that is significant, right? But maybe we focus a little less on the performance and a little bit more on just the fact that they are the person that's up there leading everybody in the worship of God and having that be a segment of the overall experience. Right. And suddenly you're not pigeonholed into, I need to spend X amount of money in order to make it sound certain, you know, at a certain level and all of that kind of stuff. And, and suddenly all of these resources are going into this very specific thing when there is other need elsewhere, you know, and that's, and that's really what this comes down to is trying to capture what does the Bible say about this? Because humans have a lot to say about this, but what does the Bible say about this? And I think it has, I think the Bible has a lot to say as far as what has the most amount of significance as far as all of this goes. Let me say this because, you know, I like what you said when, when, and I've been, you know, pastoring for 14 years and a lot of that, I started off just doing what I had seen. And then there was a point where I said, well, wait a minute. Let me make sure <laughs> that what we're doing is what the Bible teaches, not just, you know. And so one of the things that I found is that there is no template for order of service in the Bible. There is no template. There is no opening prayer, worship songs. Give your offering. You know, y'all, you, you've been, people have been to enough services to kind of predict the order of service, right? Yeah. And I think people, uh, we have attempted to reproduce those order of services because, uh, and uh, I don't, I, this is so hard because I, I've, I've done a lot of research on things like franchising, right? And when you look at capitalism and the, the model of franchising, a lot of your fast food places are designed exactly the same. They are designed exactly, their kitchens, their counters, their setup is exactly the same. The only thing is different is the name, right? Right. And whatever signature sandwich or dish <laughs> that they promote to say, we are this, churches are doing the same thing. Churches are designing all of their churches to the same. The only difference is the name and whatever they emphasize. Like you said, we are, you know, expository preaching church. That's our gimmick, so to speak. That's the thing that we use to attract people. Here's the problem. The Bible gives no description or prescription for order of service. As a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, you learn that there are certain components that are present in the gatherings, right? There is much biblical precedent for teaching. There is teaching when they come together and they gather, whether you're looking at Acts chapter two, where they were devoted to the apostles doctrine, or you're looking at Colossians chapter three, where you're teaching and admonishing one another, or you're looking at, you know, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, where he talks about having a revelation or a teaching um, 
those things are staples. Most people agree there should be teaching. The other thing that you notice is that there is worship in the gatherings. Acts First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen talks about people having a psalm. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter five verse eight, eighteen talking about speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians says the same thing that there should be this singing and worship. And by the way, for those people, you know, and and I think we shouldn't be dogmatic about it. But there's people that say, well, the New Testament never says that there's interest instruments in worship and the reason why they say that is because it never says it explicitly but it uses the term psalms and if anybody wants to do their research a psalm is scripture or prayer set to music specifically string music right <laughs> i mean and that's just Anybody can go and look that up and understand that and find that. And so that's supposed to be happening, right? Okay. The other thing that's supposed to be happening is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper should be happening when we gather. Does it have to happen every time we gather? It doesn't say every time, but it says that it should be happening. We should be coming together as an entire body or group and observing the Lord's Supper. These are things that are supposed to be happening is there supposed to be prayer yes it says that there's supposed to be prayer there's supposed to be times of prayer where you pray together okay these are some of the components that are explicitly shown but there's no order there's never an order given and i think it's because as you said we're not supposed to be arguing over the three songs and a homily that's not the, the deal. What we should be focused on is are we coming together with the right heart and the right purpose that 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 we are one body, we are loving and fellowshipping with one another, we are there for one another. If someone has need, we take care of that need. If we have pastors that are full-time elders, the Bible says the elders that teach deserve double honor because the workman is worthy of his hire. It's, it's in the scripture. We didn't make it up. It's in the scripture that those pastors should be cared for by the people that they're pouring into, not as a king or a queen or, uh, you know, this superior person, but that they are giving their life away to make sure that you know the word of God. That's what they're doing. It's not a career move. It's not a uh, 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 an opportunity that they took, right? It's actually a sacrifice that they're making because now they can't go do a career that they might have wanted to go do because they've given themselves to pastoring God's flock. And so these things, these components are in our Bible. But when I talk about these things, most people are going through their mind and they're picturing churches and it seems foreign. It seems very foreign. I'm like, wait a minute, that's what's supposed to be happening? Are we doing that? And they say, well, wait a minute, I guess we are doing that. I just never thought about it that way. You know, I did a study one time. Um, it was in the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, uh, they built a platform specifically for Nehemiah to go and stand on this platform, open up the book of the law and read it to the people. And the people listened as he read the book of the law from the platform. 
Because I said, you know, are we supposed to be up on a platform? Is the person speaking supposed to be on some pedestal? And, you know, I was really getting, you know, legalistic about it. Like, wait a minute, we're doing this. And I was like, well, wait a minute. It actually is in the Bible. <laughs> that this person actually, they actually built the platform for that particular purpose to read the word of God and share it with other people. And then they did something interesting. The elders and leaders went to the people and made sure that they understood what was being said from the platform. Right now, that's revolutionary, right? That's revolutionary. But these are components that you don't really see in your average church. And if you did, you would say, well, I don't know if I like this church. Right. And, so, and that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the danger, right? Like the further that you get, the, the closer that you get to biblical examples, the further you get from the American church model. And thus for pushing forward biblical examples you have then become the heretic by coming against the american church model and that's you know for for me and 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 for my teaching style and and the things that i have to say my general opinion i catch a lot of flack from from the american contingent because i've got a lot to say about how america does this thing you know what i mean and and the things that are most important and stuff like and stuff like that but like i i, I will continue to point to scripture to back what i'm saying and like and and that's part of i guess part of why i even step out to say this is it's it's as much for me as it is for anybody else because if i'm the squeaky wheel here then then that means that there's an issue somewhere so part but part of part of establishing what the issue is is being willing to take time to study it and then to listen to people who have studied it and continue and and so on and so forth and, and i just if there's anything uh, you know as as we as we bring this in for a landing if there's anything that i would suggest to people is is if these things are are uncomfortable if this conversation is uncomfortable if these are questions that you've had different things like that be willing to look for the answers but also be willing to hear the answers once you get the answers you know i appreciate you coming on and weighing in on this on this topic you know there's so much to it that it's it's something hard to try and wrap your mind around but something that's also so simple at the same time so um man man again thank you for for being on and and you know if you would go ahead and uh pray us out yes sir yes sir so father uh we just we just honor you we just bless you we thank you for the opportunity to come on and share and be candid and open and honest and that's what I love about Buddy Walk and, and Joe Day and, and what he's doing is that um, he just wants to be open and honest about the things of God and create an, a space where there is freedom and dialogue. Lord, we pray that uh, everything we said was pleasing to you, God, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart was acceptable in your sight. Lord, forgive us if we overstepped in any way. And we just, Lord, want um, we want your people to be passionate about you and the things that concern you that we want their heart to line up with your heart and um as the various guests and co-hosts and different people that come through uh, buddy walk 
come together from different denominational backgrounds, different ethnic back backgrounds, different social and uh, back backgrounds. God, the one thing that I know if they're on Buddy Walk is that they love they love the Lord and they are passionate about Christ and they are passionate about his word. And so, God, we just ask that you bless uh, this platform uh, to reach uh, more and more people uh, for the kingdom of God um, and for the sake of, of Christ and that lives would be changed for eternity. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.